Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Timmy Gibson Show. Today in studio, I have the one, the only, Lindsay Mars. <laughs> I may be. Hey, thank you for coming today. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. So, so how did you hear about me? So what, how did this, how did, because you interviewed me on your uh, documentary series, which if you want to tell us a little bit about that, and then we'll get into your life and all the stuff. Sure. So I am doing a docu-series called No Happiness, K-N-O-W, and it's about alternative ways we seek, find, and sustain happiness. And so we kind of go and do all these different, like we did. Lots of coffee, drugs, <laughs> no, <I'm> just, <laughs> sex. You're right. <laughs> uh, not yet. That's not been on our list. Um, anyway, I happen to know someone that you know, Lisa Lola, and yeah. she was my energy healer and, and friend. She's and, a great person. And we were doing this series on spirituality versus religion and can the two coexist. And I was looking for someone just like you. <laughs> and she gave us a hookup and rest was history. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, Lisa Lola, she, uh, how did I hear about her? I think it was Matt, uh, beloved. Oh, Turner. Yeah, Matt Turner. Yeah. Uh, met him forever ago, I think at... Cafe Gratitude. That's where it all starts. But I want to say maybe it was Eden's Alley. Could be. I uh, know he did work at Cafe Gratitude. Yeah, he did. He worked yeah. both. So Eden's Alley was used to be in the basement of the Unity Temple here on the Country Club Plaza. Great restaurant. It was. I don't know what shenanigans went down, but I know there were some kind of shenanigans that went down. Right. And then they're not there, which was such a sad thing. And then they mentioned that they might try to open somewhere else, and then it never ended up happening, hmm. which is a bummer. At least as far as I know, they didn't open anywhere else. Uh, so anyway, then then I think I ran into him at Cafe Gratitude. Cafe Gratitude. Um, yeah, we just struck up a friendship and you know began having coffee together. And and he came from a Baptist background, and uh, and of course he's really into the spiritual stuff. Yeah. Um, you know I find myself being fairly skeptical of of a lot of things, even though I believe in you know I'm open. I'm a very open person. Mm -hmm. I just don't think that it's good to go around life closed. Um, but I definitely have become skeptical after walking away from religion. Um, I would still say I'm spiritual, but I'm leery of some things, you know? Sure. Um, though I can tell you, Lisa Lola is the, she's got some kind of gift. I mean, she's, she's definitely got some kind of a, um, if anything, if anything, at least she's very intuitive. Um, and she's just such a neat person, too. She really is. And I really believe she's kind of an angel here on Earth. Like her sole purpose and mission is to spread love yeah. and help people heal. And, yeah. you know, there's a lot of charlatans out there that are peddling, you know, from supplements to services. You Magic know. potions. Yeah. yeah. You know, but like with Matt and Lisa, I have the privilege of knowing both of them pretty well. And they're the real deal. Yes. Very much so. And their hearts are pure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, you use the word charlatan. I think that's probably where my skeptic skepticism comes from. Sure. As having been in the church, I've seen plenty of charlatans. Right. Though, I would say, much like anything in life, A, you start out pure of heart. Um, I don't, I, you know, I, I say uh, being in the, being in the, a pastor for so many years and being in that world, I was, gen I was sincere. You know, I was, I feel like I was sincerely wrong, but I was 
very sincere. I had a real a heart for God. I wanted to be pleasing to God, and I really wanted to help people. Um, because you don't become a pastor unless you want to be a TV evangelist. Uh, you don't become wealthy being a pastor. I mean, that's just not usually the 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 journey to wealth. Uh, it's a it's a hard road of service and dealing with people and their troubles and their heartaches and and really getting down in the nitty gritty with people. Right. Um, so clearly, I think most people that become um, who are religious who become uh, pastors or ministers of some sort. I think they're very sincere in the beginning, somewhere along the way. Sometimes you can get goofy, the corruption, yeah. you know, I found a lot of it tends to lead to from greed, you yeah. know, because, and also kind of this power trip, you know, yeah. you do have a lot of influence over other people and like in the energy healing world or spirituality that, you know, we have a tendency, or I'll speak for myself, I had a tendency to place them up on this pedestal, yeah. like a guru, like they knew more than I did. And the truth is, we know best what's in our heart and what's yeah. the right way for us. Sometimes we just need a little guidance. And yeah. that's exactly what both of them have been and done for me. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing both of them as I do, I know Matt more uh, deeper than I know uh, Lisa, and he's just such a good dude, just such a genuine soul. Yeah. You know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't take advantage of anyone intentional ever. Right. He's just such a pure, pure hearted guy. I'm so lucky. I get to actually go on a retreat with he and Lisa, they're leading wow. one and it's a healer's retreat. So you have to have taken certain trainings to be able to attend. And yeah. so my daughter is actually going and taking the training so that she can come. And then it's kind of, you know, a healer's cool. healing retreat. Where so are they going? We're going to Belize. Oh my goodness. Yeah. For how long? For five days. That's awesome. Yeah, I think it's like some little private island that just has a resort on it and you ferry out to it. And wow. uh, we'll see. It, it'll be educational, which is I kind of like that. Sure. That's different than other retreats that I've been on. Yeah. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So, okay, let's get into it. So what's your story? Where, where do you come from? What's your religious background? Sure. What's brought you here? So I was born in Lincoln, Nebraska. Fam my family lives there. Do they? Mm -hmm. Go my, Cornhuskers. The yep. Yep. <laughs> my my biological father wrestled and his brothers wrestled at in, in Lincoln. Uh-huh. That's yeah, yeah. Nebraska State yeah. University, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I I rarely go back there, but my parents met there at college and um, you know, obviously had my brother and I. And after about I think it was about 10 years of marriage. They split up. My father was working as a flight nurse in an ER. And it was for pediatrics. So it was a very stressful, hard job for him. He was new out of nursing school and my brother and I were really little. So my mom was kind of the one, the main, you know, caregiver for us. And that caused a lot of consternation between the two of them. And it was very easy for my dad to fall out of love and in love with Aww. someone, one of his coworkers. And what's crazy is I'll never forget when he left our house, I had this like sick feeling that something was wrong. And I, I was out playing in the yard and I saw his Jeep drive by and I ran home and found my mother on like a puddle on the floor. Aww. And, you know, she said, he's left us. And that little sentence has been one man that I have been contending with for a very long time. The truth is he left her. 
he moved right. a, to a different house, but he didn't really leave me. But it really created this narrative about my father that, you know, he abandoned us and he didn't care. And, you know, father yeah. wounds. And I was going to say father wounds. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> same with mother wounds. They're both yeah. equally as challenging to heal. Yeah. And just when you think you've healed it, you're like, Psh, there's another layer of the onion. And now I got more to go. Yeah. Um, so my parents divorced when I was pretty young. And, and how did that relationship work out with? With my dad? Yeah, with the new girl. Oh, they were married for about 20 some years. I absolutely oh. despised her. She okay. was not a kind person, never had any children of her own. So parenting for her was a bit of a challenge. And <laughs> you know, she kind of ruled the roost. She was a very domineering woman and just really lacked that nurturing, you know, loving side. And, and fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know how you choose to look at it. They moved to California when I was about eight. So I only saw my dad, you know, at Christmas time and over the summers. So <sighs> we didn't know each other that well. You know, right. when I would go out there, it was kind of like Disneyland dad. Exactly. Right. Um, but I remember as I started getting older, probably 10, 11, 12, I started having a lot of resentment towards him and the situation and definitely took my mom's side through it. Yeah. When I was uh, around the time my parents got a divorce, my um, grandfather, my mom's father, both sides of my family are very, very religious. They were Seventh-day Adventists. And oh, I don't know. boy. I know that group. Yeah. You know, so. A lot of them are vegetarians. Not all of them, but a lot of them. We definitely ate vegetarian quite a bit. <laughs> Went to church on Saturday. Yeah. Sabbath was sundown on Friday night to sundown on Saturday. So there was no you know, playing with electronics, no TV, no radio. I mean, it was like, that was truly the day to worship, you know? So they were very religious and which makes this next part so unfathomable. But this grandfather of mine, actually, at the same time my parents were getting divorced, decided that I was easy prey, I guess, and started to molest me while he would read Bible stories and that went on for several years. Unfortunately, he lived in Iowa, so it didn't happen a lot. And now, oh, no. of course, I know he was doing it to another cousin of mine. And his brother was like a convicted child molester. So it, they clearly something happened to them, you yeah. know, that would perpetuate this. Yeah, hurting people hurt people typically. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I kept that to myself for a long time until I was 16. And at about... 1415 is I always had this very overactive mind. I was always very sensitive. I took things personally and I found alcohol for the first time. And of course I way over drank it, but I finally, I was like, this is my solution. This is what I've been waiting for was a reprieve from my mind. To numb myself. Yeah. Interesting. So that really kick-started uh, years and years of addiction challenges from, you know, I mean, DUIs were kind of the first thing. And I say eyes, DUIs, as in multiple, um, one being, you know, well, we'll get to that. Uh, so I found drugs and alcohol. And, you know, it started out really innocent and fun, and it quickly took a turn. Even in high school, I remember stealing money from my mom to buy cocaine and got caught. And so, of course, you know, outwardly was remorseful, but inside I knew I had zero intention of changing. I was having way too much fun. Yeah. 
And so I went to this little outpatient treatment and that was a first of many rehab stints for me. Um, you know, I got the second DUI in my mid twenties and, um, not, not a lot of consequences because back then, I mean, we're talking and I hate to date myself, but you know, over 20 years ago yeah. and the laws you and I are probably not too far. Yeah. From I'll be other. 45 this year. Oh, okay. I'm older than you. <laughs> I figured I was, but I just didn't know. I mean, just that comment, I thought maybe we're close. I graduated in 87, so I'm 53. Okay. Yeah. You're my husband's age. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, one thing led to another at 19. Well, I dropped out of college. I was going to KU and selling drugs out of my dorm room, you know, because You're not why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I didn't go to class very often and, you know, I, that worked out fine in high school, but in college, it's a totally different story yeah. or at least college back then. Um, and so I, I remember I was 18 and I wanted to go live out in Arizona with my best friend. and. She was pretty naughty and we got into a lot of trouble. And so it seemed really appealing to be all the way out there without any watchful eyes. And so I dropped out of college and moved out there, you know, against my parents' wishes. What'd you do for work? We didn't. That's what's funny is her parents basically just paid for her apartment, her car, all everything. So I was basically just mooching off of her no job wow and you know she had just a, party 24 7 pretty much i mean i had gone out there for a little i was supposed to go for a weekend i stayed a week which is what prompted me to leave college because i couldn't make up a week's worth i was already behind yeah but i'd lost like 10 pounds in that week from doing all this cocaine which was my drug of choice i mean i loved cocaine and you know I, it was i was only there for about three or four months i think i came home at christmas time to visit my family and i was a mess i was on all kinds of drugs and drunk and my mom you said, probably looked a little rough probably you know i've been hanging out at the airport waiting for a, a plane to come and just thought it'd be a great opportunity to get hammered before i head back home wow. so i remember that car ride my mom and my brother they both were like you can't go back so decide, okay, I'll, I'll come back home because, you know, you, you just change your location and geography, then all your problems go away, right? Exactly. Yeah. So no, <laughs> they didn't. And I got back and was kind of in this, I mean, I was taking all these weird odd end jobs because my mom did expect me to work if I was going to live with them. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I somehow got an offer to go out to California and train to be a dental assistant with my aunt and uncle and their very affluent dental practice. So I'm like, well, yeah, I love California. Napa's beautiful, but Napa for a 19 year old, there's not a lot of action. Let's yeah. put it that way. And, and I, you know, the very first day I was there, I meet some hot surfer on my way back from the DMV that invites me over to his house. And I just followed him and ended up meeting his sister and her friends whom I ended up living with. That's who my roommates were. <laughs> but you know, it's like, really, Lindsay, yeah. how stupid can you be? Yeah. I did that job. I was cleaning their office a couple times a week and then um, learning to dental assist and was quickly finding out that my income, I was not able to afford. I mean, I had nothing and I was right. working a lot. I met this girl who had a brand new car and all these flashy clothes. And I finally was like, how do you have all this money? She's like, oh, I'm a dancer. Worst thing that I could have ever told me. Ballet or <laughs> yeah, right. two-step? Two <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm a line dancer. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I thought maybe that's a good idea that I go down and do this amateur hour and see. So I go down and do it. I had to get, you know, completely wasted to have the courage to get up there and take my clothes off because it was fully nude. And sure enough, I won. So I, you know, got 500 bucks just right out of the gate. And so I decided You're like, this is my, yeah. this is my purpose in yeah, life. This is a lot better than cleaning a <laughs> dental office. I'll tell you that. Sure. So I did that. I started doing it on the weekends and then would dr drive back. Napa was about a 45 minute drive from the city and, and would just stay with people down in the city. And, you know, there's lots of drugs and lots of alcohol. So it, on top of kind of like my unhealed wounds with my grandfather and all that trauma that I had experienced, it was kind of a recipe for disaster oh, for my. me. You know, yeah. I was, you know, about a hundred pounds and doing every drug you could think of just to survive. And of course, always alcohol. And I remember my dad dropped me out. They, they figured out what I was doing. Cause I would just go radio silent for long stretches of time. Cause I finally ended up quitting the dental office. I'm like, who needs that? I yeah, can that's jump. Change. Yeah, exactly. You know, I was pulling about a thousand dollars a day and you know, at a 19 year old with no education, that's pretty good money. Yeah. Of course, I didn't save any of it. You know, I stay in the fanciest of hotels. I've always had very fine taste, you know, yeah. champagne taste on a beer budget. Is what my <laughs> dad would say. And I remember my dad dropping me off and, you know, just how embarrassed I felt for him. You know, like, yeah. man, you know, I think Chris Rock or somebody makes that comment. You know, you fucked up when your, your daughter's on the pole or yeah. something like that. <laughs> And I remember telling him, if I don't get out of the city, I'm going to drive my car off a bridge. And that was kind of the start of some of my. Suicide. You were just literally a life out of control. Yeah. Uh, spiraling. And so, of course, my friend in Arizona was like, why don't you come live out here? You, you need. So I literally left my car at the airport for like a month and went and stayed with her and decided, okay, I'm going to move back with her. Well, you know, we had a lot of painkillers, a lot of drugs. At this point, she was li living with her parents. They had moved out there. So it was a little, little less crazy, but, but not much. And, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever taken narcotics, but if you take them for a sustained period of time, you get pretty depressed, yeah. pretty low. Thank affect. God I've never, I mean, I've had to take them a couple times for wisdom right. teeth stuff, but. Right. You have taken them appropriately. Right. Yeah. Right. And we were not taking them appropriately. She was prescribed, you know, uh, the, some of the strongest medication you can prescribe, you know, stage four cancer patients she was getting at 19 years old. Wow. So it was kind of like this drug cornucopia. And th that was kind of my first stint in going into like a psychiatric hospital one night from alcohol and all the drugs that were mixed and it made me suicidal. So... About that time, I started seeing a therapist who advised me not to speak to my parents. And I, I guess I needed that break, but it really isolated me, made me very reliant upon her and her family. And finally got the courage to call my mom. This was all centered around my grandfather and, you know, not feeling protected. My dad didn't do anything and all the things that I told myself so that I would feel okay with not speaking to them. And I finally got in touch with them and my mom really encouraged me to move back and maybe it was time to think about going back to college. And so I did, I didn't need a whole lot of convincing. I knew that it was time for me to go and I loved my friend, but 
It was not a good situation, not healthy for either one of us. So moved home and decided to go back to school. And of all professions to choose, I choose nursing. <laughs> my, you know, I said my father was a nurse and I kind of grew up sitting in, you know, the waiting rooms of ERs as a kid waiting for him to get off work. So the idea just seemed kind of in line and very sure. much my destiny. And so, you know, I, my drug addiction started to kick back up at that time. I had gotten married and had my daughter cleaned up, really thought, you know, on the straight and narrow this time. But the relationship I had with my first ex-husband was very tumultuous, very traumatic. He was violent and um, I didn't work at that time. So I had a lot of free time to sit at home. And because I really couldn't stand who he was or his personality, I, a, a good bottle of wine before he got home seemed like the, the great option, right? right. Um, so our relationship ended and right when I was starting nursing school. And so I moved out on my own kind of for the first time really by myself and had my daughter part-time. So it was great when I had my daughter. I was very much, you know, a caregiver and a good mom. mom. Yeah. yeah. But when she was gone, it was off to the races. And, you know, I'm in nursing school and barely going and making just as good of grades, if not better than everyone else. So, you know, I strongly, I clearly had a strong aptitude for the material. Yeah. But it was, you know, only a matter of time that I got in trouble for that. I um, actually was a nurse in an ER and, you know, you pull, you put a code in and every kind of drug that you could possibly think of pops out at your disposal, you know, with very little oversight. So I quickly learned kind of a system of how to take it out. And, you know, at that point I'd started injecting drugs and I would mix, wow. I would mix cocaine with the narcotics and kind of like speedball while I was at work. You're lucky to be alive. Oh, so lucky. I mean, that's just one of many reasons. I mean, it's, it's, it's been a crazy Yeah, you're life. lucky. Yeah, I can understand. Yeah, lucky in a lot of ways. Yeah. So I eventually got caught. It only, it, it only, it took like eight months before they finally figured out what I was doing. So, you know, they pull me into the boss's office and they're like, how do you explain all these discrepancies? You know, and I'm like, I can't. Uh, you know, every day I went in there saying, okay, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it today. And then of course I would do it. And then the guilt and the shame around that. And I, wow. I literally couldn't stop. I just couldn't stop. And so I was actually, I remember that day I felt relief. Like finally the secret is out. I don't have to carry this anymore and I can go get help. Isn't that weird? Yeah. And you know, had I just asked for help, you know, yeah. it would have been a totally different situation, you know, but by doing that, I obviously lost my job. I'm lucky I wasn't prosecuted because that's insurance fraud. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I uh, went to rehab for the second time, but this one was impatient and um, finally kind of told my parents what was going on. I was actually living with someone at that time who had no clue. I mean, that's how good I was or how wow. good I thought I was right. at hiding it, you know, especially from people who aren't used to being around people under the influence or just yeah. kind of naive. And so I really had no choice but to get sober. I was reporting to try and keep my nursing license. I got put on this very strict probation where I had to call in every day and find out if I had a drug test. And 
So I started going to AA, really started kind of embracing the sober life. I actually met my hus- second husband in rehab. Okay. So ended up having a rehab baby, so to speak, you know, <laughs> wow. which yeah. much to my family, once again, it's like, geez, Lindsay, you know, yeah. are you sure you want to do this? So I got married again. And he would go in and out of being sober, not being sober. And, but I was very consistent with it. And so that started to create quite a bit of rift in our relationship. You know, I I got kind of tired of being the parent and the one that, you know, couldn't trust if I went out of town, what he might do or so, um, married, married husband, number two, cleaned up, got sober for five years which for me was huge. That was the longest stint you'd yeah, ever gone on. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm talking nothing, no marijuana, no alcohol, you know, cause yeah. a lot of people will say I'm sober, but they really mean just from alcohol. Right. And so, um, I met my, or divorced the second husband when I met my current husband okay. at a barbecue. And it was, you know, of course a huge scandal, but I just knew my husband, Scott was the one for me. I just knew it. And, you know, we'd only met, you know, face to face one time and yet it just kickstarted this really crazy relationship. And I was planning to leave my husband anyway. Sure. I had even met with his mom and said, Hey, you know, I I, I'm going to leave. I just want to make sure he's okay. Yeah. And so you know, he may think that I left for another man, but I was leaving anyway. It wasn't a a fair relationship. And, and Scott was kind of like my knight in shining armor. I mean, he swooped in and was like, I'll help you get an apartment. I'll take care of you, baby. You know, all the things (laughs) that girls love to hear, you know, and especially after I had been in a relationship where I was really the main breadwinner. You were the caretaker. I was. I was taking care of the kids, the house, the bills, everything while he went off and pursued his passion, which just didn't make any money. Right. And uh, and I love him, by the way. He's still a dear friend to me, but That's we just good. obviously were not compatible in that way. Sure. So, my, you know, things started out really great. I got a lot of warnings and heed from Scott's friends because I was sober yeah. and they're like, you sure that, you know, this is going to be a good fit. He parties quite a bit. Well, of course he tells me something totally. Oh, I really don't drink that much. You're right. (laughs) You know, so it took about eight months of going out and being around people who were drinking and doing things they shouldn't have been doing. And I convinced myself, you know, I think cocaine and drugs were really my problem. I think I could drink responsibly. Oh man. And you know, he was out ever we were out in Orlando and nobody was around and he was like, I just don't think that's a good idea. Are you sure? And I convinced him that I'd be fine. And you know, that night drank every kind of alcohol you could possibly think and had the worst hangover. I really honestly think I've ever had. Yeah. And we decided, okay, we're not going to tell anybody. We're going to keep this to ourselves and we'll only do it on vacation. So that worked for a few years and until I quit my job, you know, to be a stay-at-home mom. And I really found myself very purposeless and passionless. And basically, I was living my life for him. And for somebody like me who thinks a lot, who's 
you know, I'll consider myself pretty intelligent to not have something of purpose to be doing. And I think this is kind of true for most people. Yeah. You got to have an outlet. Yeah. You kind of flounder, you know, and all the country club moms would all drink wine every afternoon. And there was always somewhere to go and drink wine. And if there wasn't, then I'd drink by myself. Wow. Yeah. You know, that started to create conflict in my relationship once again, because he was getting up and going to work and I was staying home getting drunk. Nobody likes coming home to a sloppy wife, you know, or girlfriend (laughs) at that time. So, you know, several years passed and um, I we got into an argument about my drinking and in a blackout, I swallowed a bottle of sleeping pills and he had left the house. So had he not come back, I wouldn't be here today. Wow. And he um when he got to me, you I felt was, prompted to come back or he had he somebody had talked to him and said, I really think you should go back and check on her because he was gonna come and stay at our other place down here. And he decided, as angry as he was, that he better come back. And when he found me, I was unresponsive. So in our neighborhood, when sirens go off, everybody's out front looking. And of course they pull into our drive and I'm wheeled out being resuscitated. And so, you know, that earned me a spot in ICU and on a ventilator and all that. And, you know, he was done. He was not going to live. How long did it take you to come back, come around three days, three days. Yeah. I I assume they pumped your stomach and yeah. And you know, I obviously don't remember, sure, but I do remember waking up with the tube in my mouth and remember saying to the counselor, well, I didn't mean to, you know, I mean, whether I did or not, I certainly don't remember, but right. you know, that's where alcohol can take me. You know, yeah. I, if I'm, and it tends to be around relationships with men, partners, if something's not going right, it's almost like, you know, you hurt me, I'll hurt myself even more, you know, so that kind of mentality. And uh, so I remember he broke up with me and that was pretty tough. So I, um, when he broke up with me, I swore that I would stop drinking alcohol because I was going to win him back. And that didn't work. Yeah, it didn't work very well for me uh, after the first week because I, of course, was institutionalized after that for a week and said and did all the right things. And, you know, I think in my heart at that time, I really did want to quit drinking. But literally the day I got out or two days after I got out, I got a bottle of vodka. I guzzled it and got in my car, drove to therapy of all places. And the therapist called the police. So I hopped in my car and burned out of there. And went and picked up my son. And at that time, I think he must have been five, six, seven, maybe very young, not old enough to like say, wait, I can't get in the car with you. I mean, I was once again in a blackout and almost made it back to the house before I got pulled over. But uh, apparently all kinds of people were calling. That's how erratic I was. I'm so lucky that I didn't hurt him or anyone else in this, you know, crazy haze. Um, and so that, and then at that point I knew he was my boyfriend at that time was really going to be done. And I was devastated. I thought, what do I have to live for? You know, he was my whole universe and I put him up on a pedestal, put him in front of everything else. And now what, you know, I was left with me. Yeah. <laughs> 
And so I went to treatment once again. I stayed the full 30 days. He, my significant other, would come up and visit me. We weren't together, yeah. but he couldn't also let go of wow. me. He, he really hoped to, you know, that I would get it and would come around at some point. But he yeah. really punished me for the eight months that we were apart. He paid for me to live down in our condo that we had and we would get our kids together and play house essentially. But then he would go on dates with other women. So I don't know how I got sober during that time. Maybe once again, I had to, I yeah. was on serious probation. I spent five days in jail. Wow. Yeah. I bet that wasn't fun. Oh my God. It's not a place I ever care to go back to. I mean, people just don't understand it. I mean, it was awful. I mean, literally a woman sitting next to me with a needle and it, it was bad. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I remember he picked me up as, cause he just loves me, yeah. <laughs> I guess. And, uh, and I was like, okay, this is, I'm going to really do this for real. And I went back to AA, started getting kind of involved. And finally, that's when I found Lisa okay. in, in a yoga class, discovered yoga. And it's like my whole, everything turned upside down. Like I, I started to not look at myself as a victim, not this, you know, poor me, poor me, poor me a drink kind of mentality that like, yeah. I'm, I can determine what kind of life I have and that's, you know, and the conditions that I help myself to do that. So started doing yoga, started doing energy healing and just had this kind of awakening. And I got strong enough to tell my husband, you know what, I don't, I don't need you in my life. I don't need to be treated like this. Friends don't treat each other like this and I'm done. Please, you know, let's just go our separate ways because it's, tearing me apart watching you do this and and at that point of course then he was like well let's get back together mm. and you know even for a moment it's like okay there she is yeah you know he was waiting for me to re-emerge as the person that he had met i mean he fell in love with me when i was sober that's one thing he really appreciated about me and i changed to try and fit in more with with him and yeah. what's you know funny now looking back is that's not what he wanted at all yeah. You know, I think I helped him at, at that time really kind of stay on the straight and narrow because, yeah. you know, he, he, he likes to party or yeah. did. So we got back together and, and we, I, I remember talking to my dad and saying, I just don't know if I can do this again. Like if he breaks my heart, I don't know that I'll survive. I mean, it was that devastating. Yeah. And my dad said, well, why don't you write down everything that you are looking for in this relationship and ask him to do the same and then meet for dinner and talk about it. So we both did that. We sat right down the street from here and, and had dinner and he handed me his list. I handed him mine and they were aligned, you know, and on my list was, I want to be married. You know, I may not find the love that I have with you, the passion, but I know that I can find somebody that I'm compatible with. Sure. And ironically, and I thought that'd be the sticking point because he swore he'd never get married. <laughs> and, uh, and it was on his list too. Oh. So we decided to give it another go. You know, our kids had grown up together, you know, or we're growing up together. And so we have just a really unusually bonded, close knit 
mixed blended family. And um, that was one thing that was really hard for me when we weren't together is, you know, my son missed his sister. Yeah. And um, at that same time, my daughter, I have a 19 year old daughter, her father sought an opportunity to take her from me at that time. And I went like three years without talking to my teenage daughter. Oh. Yeah, it was pretty devastating. So it was like the best of times, the worst of times, you know, like I was finally getting my life back together, but there was just this piece that was missing and and that was her. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, we, we both decided that we would not drink and I had laid down some ground rules that I didn't want him drinking, you know, while, while I was around, he could go out with his friends and he made the decision for himself to just give it a few months and just not drink. Yeah. And so that went really well and our relationship got really healthy and really strong. And we went on a vacation in Miami and I remember bringing up, I, th I think we should have some alcohol. I did this program that I thought, you know, I was cured and healed and I could do it again. You know, for some reason, I still had this draw to alcohol. Like it was the only way you could have fun. Wow. I hate that. I hate alcohol. Yeah. And it's not because of the evilness of it. It's just, I don't like the way it makes me feel. Yeah. I'm a weed smoker. Yeah. But it's, it's like, I, I, I've had a glass of wine the next day I wake up and I'm just cotton mouthy headache. headache yeah. and I'm just like, it's just not, it's like poison. It Well, it truly is. And, yeah. you know, the older we get, the harder it is to bounce back from, yeah. you know, having a few drinks. And, you know, when we would throw down, we'd, we'd throw down hard, you know, yeah. tequila shots. And, you know, we were kind of the life of the party. Yeah. So we started that again. And, of course, you know, I once again found myself without a passion or a purpose. I'd gone to massage therapy school thinking, you know, I mean, it was kind of in line with the energy healing. I started training, doing that and was starting to do that. And people for people in our office, my husband owns a business where we offered that and uh, just wasn't my thing. I, you know, I kept trying to find something. I've always been a healer of in some capacity from nursing to massage therapy, the energy healing. I just didn't know how it was going to look. Yeah. And, um, we both decided to quit drinking again um, back in November of last year. So it's been the best thing for our relationship, for our family. You know, I never realized how much my drinking really affected my kids. Yeah. I always thought, you know, I, they don't even this know. This is my thing. Yeah, you know, I'm not hurting you. Uh, and the truth is, you know, I, I've seen firsthand not only how I've hurt my children and relationships around me, but how the other parents in our other kids' lives, parents have challenges with drugs and alcohol. And so now being on the other side and being the sober parents is really eye-opening, you know, and I can't say I'll never drink again. That sets me up for, for failure. Never's a long time. Yeah. But I can say that 99.9% .9 of my life is spent sober and certainly with my kids. And that has been beyond a blessing. Yeah. So that's kind of what, you know, I've, I finally decided after we got sober that I was going to start this podcast is what initially it started as yeah. and quickly evolved into this docuseries where I go and share with people the things that have helped me get to where I am. Because like you said, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't yeah. be alive. And there's a purpose and a reason for me. And I think some of it is 
being vulnerable enough to share the really not very pretty parts of me and my life. And uh, so here we are today. You know, life is pretty good. Now, did you get involved in religion at all back when you were? So both my parents, like I said, were Seventh-day Adventists and they, the Seventh-day Adventists have these things called academies where they send their teenage kids away to boarding school, essentially like religious boarding school. So both my parents went and did that through high school and they met at a Seventh-day Adventist college. Wow. So they both were very, I mean, I remember pretty much eating vegetarian and my mom didn't have. So they were committed. They oh were yeah. Full blown. Yeah. I mean, my mom didn't have her ears pierced. You know, I mean, they were very much in the religion. I remember going to church, but when they got divorced, that kind of went away, which was fine by me because I didn't want anything to do with that type of religion. You know, I mean, people like my grandfather really pollute, you know, the religion. And so, uh, you know, I mean, I remember like, cringing at hearing the word Jesus. Like I could hardly stomach it. It bothered me so much. And I'm so grateful today that I've come to a different understanding of who I believe Jesus is versus what a a lot of the people in the, you know, religious communities don't think, you know, but, um, so yeah, I was raised up until about six, pretty, pretty religious after that. Not much. Yeah. I, you know, the funny thing about faith and religion and and having been a pastor, you know, and went to seminary and I was a part of a, not uh, similar to seventh day Adventist in the sense of, uh, would they be considered evangelical? Like the Bible is the word of God and I think they follow more of the Old Testament. That's where a lot of their food restriction comes from and why they go to church on Saturday. Right. Um, Which is, yeah, like Jewish traditions. They're very similar in in many ways. Um, But they believe in Jesus. They do. Yeah. Yeah. I I was a fully devoted follower, you know. Um, For me, it just there were things that just didn't make sense and that didn't line up. And it was like the more information that I was getting in life made the things that I was believing not true. Like I, I, you know, if you pray this will, your life will be good. Or if Mm -hmm. you live right, your life will be good. And it was like, no, that's absolutely not true. You can do everything right. Not drink, not cuss, not smoke, not, Cheat. Do, do anything. Yeah, you could do all, you know, and still life is life. Right. And so there was this awareness of, well, my life's no different than an atheist life or anybody else on the planet. Like for me, there would be a real strong case for religion or Christianity if Christian people had a better life. Right. You know, like if they weren't getting divorced, if their kids never got crazy, if they weren't going to jail. Right. If they weren't going to jail, if they didn't have addictions, yeah. if their houses never burned down, if calamity happened to an area, all the Christians' houses would be protected. Right. And all. But that's 100% not what the way the world is. Right. Good things happen to bad people, and good things happen to good people bad things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. Like there is no rhyme or reason 
it's just life. Yeah. You know, and so I became really conflicted. And plus the the particular group that I was a part of was a evangelical. So we're talking the, you know, falling on the ground, being slain in the spirit, Whoa. speaking in tongues. Yeah. I mean, you know, the wild stuff. Yeah. So obviously I was already a little I was familiar with it, so it didn't creep me out as bad. But anytime I'd bring a friend to church with me and something crazy happened, it just wigged them out. And I remember thinking, is maybe this is weird. Yeah. Am but I the weird one? Yeah, or like are they? right. Like yeah. they just, you know, they don't know the truth, right? Yeah. That's how you terminal they don't know the truth. Bless them. Right. They need just, to be saved. They need to be saved. <laughs> yeah. And then I think the biggest clicker for me. When I moved out on my own and began to read books that were outside of the Christian group that I was a part of. Like what kind of books? Like I would read books on uh, like science stuff okay. or even uh, human history, like uh, like ancient human history. Sure. And there was a couple things that I, I remember hearing that I was like, wait, is that a fact? And it was it was like, yeah, that's not like a theory that's like a it's a fact that right. humans have been on the earth for 300,000 yeah, years dating. yeah i mean yeah. there was like these things that were th these aren't these aren't no one's making this shit up right this is real like we're really finding dinosaur bones like we're really and the the age of the earth you know because i was raised to be a literalist like the earth is 6000 years old adam and eve were literally the first two humans that god created and then it just did, it started making up didn't make any sense like wait a minute so God created a white dude and a white woman. And then from them comes all the races of the world all around the world. But wait, how do you explain if they were created 6,000 years ago, then why are we digging up people in Africa from 50,000 years right. ago or finding cave art? That's a hundred thousand years old. Right. <laughs> I'm just like, and then, of course, you get into the human species and all the different things that, that again, these aren't theories. These are facts. Yeah. Neanderthals actually were real humans that lived on the earth. A different speed. You know, they were yeah. like like a Pomeranian and a golden retriever. Sure. They're both dogs, but they're different species. It just blew my mind. Lindsay, I was just like, oh, my God. God. Did you have like one aha moment? Like, can you pin it down? Yes. The one aha moment for me was, uh, an, I had a neighbor family that lived next to me and they were Hindu. They were the sweetest, the kindest, the most gentle people mm. I'd ever met. And I remember one of my religious neighbors, like same religion I was, that said, man, have you been praying for them? My neighbors, have you been praying for them? Man, it'd be, you know, it's sad that they're going to go straight to hell because they don't believe in Jesus. And I'm just like, I just had this, like, all of a sudden, I just realized that, no, that's actually not true. Something about what I've been taught is not true. It's a myth. It's, yeah. it's a human story contrived by men, specifically men. Sure. Controlled by men, propagated by men. And I just had this, all of a sudden it was like, I just woke up and was like, it's a fucking myth. Yeah. For the, I mean, like a great think, allegory. Yes. I mm -hmm. think it's like an urban legend. I think it can start, like, I think Jesus existed. I think he was a real person um, and probably super gifted, you know, maybe a healer, uh, enlightened, a, a, a good man, uh, all those things. Like, I don't have a problem with any of that. 
But was he literally God in the flesh? I don't think so. Yeah. You know, that doesn't make any sense to me for a lot of reasons that we don't have time to get into. But the other thing about the way I was raised being that the Bible's the word of God, it's God, you know, God basically wrote it. Well, that's weird. So if a supreme being wrote the Bible, why is there so much stupid shit in there? Right. And not just stupid shit, but wrong shit. Like contradictions. Right. Contradictions, scientifical fuck ups. Like that's not how the world works. Yeah. You know? And so I remember thinking a divine being who created all this shit should know his own fucking universe. Right. And should know how everything works. Clearly he's not, or she's not the one that wrote the Bible. Yeah. So then I just had, again, just had this epiphany that, you know what? The Bible is a work of fiction. It's literature and it's great literature. And it's simply, it's not God. It's written. Men wrote it about God, meaning what they thought, their ideas, their perspectives, their opinions about what they thought. Like one of the things I think that, that, uh, I saw a debate between a Christian and atheist and they were talking about how we know that someone in the Bible, when they talk about demon possession, that's just epilepsy, right? You know, it, but they didn't know. They didn't know back then. Or like the homo homophobic or homosexual, oh, yeah. which is really pedophilia back right, then, but right. it has been, you know, convoluted and changed and made. That's where I really struggle with religion is that because there's so many of them, they all think they're right and you're wrong if you don't believe the way that they do. And they pick and choose parts of the Bible that they choose to follow. Like if you're going to believe that this book is the book, the word of God and the only truth, then live every portion of it, you yeah. know, which I think there's you a can't no, like it's impossible. Like I think there's a part in there. Maybe it's old Testament. If a woman gets raped in the city, it's her fault because she didn't cry. She couldn't, you know, she could cry out. And if she's yeah. in the country, it's not her fault. Right. Well, and then pay 50 shekels to her father and then she's your wife. Right. How fucked up is that? Yeah. I mean, yeah. patriarchal for sure. <laughs> oh, the Bible is very misogynistic. Yeah. It's very men. Yeah. So there's so it, it encourages slavery. I mean, there's so many things that that. I was a pastor. So I remember I would just skirt those things. Yeah. I would pick and choose. I didn't, I didn't want to talk about the stuff that, that I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That does seem fucking nuts. Right. But like, let's just don't talk. Let's not talk about that. Let's just talk about this. And, and then I think the, the, then it became very, I became very aware that it was a very oppressive message. And I, you know, and what's wild, Lindsay, I still go to church, right, on occasion. Do you? I do. I go to a Methodist church, which is fairly liberal. Um, but, man, this last Sunday, the message had an over, like, an, the whole message was basically, you're weak, you're unworthy, mm. but accept Jesus, and you'll be worthy and strong. Mm. And I thought, that's fucked up. Right. So. Only if I accept Jesus, am I strong and worth anything? Like it's only Jesus that makes me worthy to be a fucking human. Right. And I just like, actually, when I left, I was talking to my fiance and I was like, that was a unbelievable oppressive message that basically 
you're a piece of shit unless you give your heart to Jesus and serve him. Right. That's your only ticket to being anything. And I know for a fucking fact, that's not true. I, you know what I mean? Like I know tons of people who are either atheist or Hindu or Buddhist or fucking just spiritual who have great lives, who are great people doing great things. Yeah. You know what I mean? And just my personal life, personally, I feel more fulfilled, uh, more content, more at peace, more integrated, um, everything. Yeah, that was one hang up I had with AA is that it totally takes the power away from you and places it in something outside of yourself. Right. And, you know, while I, d- I don't believe I'm the only human on the planet or that there might not be something out there, that a creator or what I'm open to sure. any yeah, of too. that, but I don't like the idea of being powerless over anything because I believe we all are in immensely powerful individuals and how we channel that and what, we, what tools we pick up to really fine tune that is what makes the difference. And AA takes that power away. It says I'm powerless over this. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not powerless because I can choose not to pick up a drink. Yeah. That's powerful. Sure. And it's not relying on anything outside of me. It's my choice. Sure. Well, it'll be taught also that that anyone who is not a Christian is less than. Yeah. And that 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 just is fucking bullshit. I just that message, it actually even still it it angers me on the inside to think that I used to think this and that especially evangelical Christians, they do. That I have the truth. I'm believing the truth. Anyone who doesn't believe the truth is living in darkness, living in, they're blind. And if they would just accept the truth that I have and that I know, they would be set free. And it's like, no, that's actually not true. I've been there. I've been on that side. Now I'm on this side and I can tell for a hundred percent certainty, I'm more free. I don't have much anxiety. I'm not given much to anxiety anyway, but I feel so much better. I less oppressed. I don't feel, uh, of course I don't deal with the shame and the guilt. I don't feel like I can't measure up. I'm not going to burn in hell. Yeah. I don't, I don't have any, yeah, I don't fear hell. Hell, I don't even believe it exists in that, in that capacity. Um, and I don't believe in a, in a heaven in that way either, like streets of gold and you're going to fly around and sing praises all day long. Like, I just don't believe in that. Yeah. Uh, is there something after this? Maybe I don't fucking know. And the reality is nobody knows, no. you know, like people can say what they believe. And that's, I have no problem with people believing whatever they want to believe. It's when they think, no, you must believe what I believe right. in order to have the truth. And even when they don't say that out loud, I know for a fact, that's what they believe because I was in that world. That's exactly what the you believe. proselytizing to bring yes. everyone. That's what I don't like about people going and doing these mission. Tri- it's like strings attached. Right. If you uh, uh, adhere and follow the message I'm giving to you, then here, I'll build you a hospital. I'll give right. your kids backpacks. Like, why not just go and do it? Right. You know, 100%. That's that's where I kind of get hurt yeah. with it. And the, back to what I said in the very beginning of the podcast, there is that element there. Most of the people I know, I still know, I'm not super close with a lot of Christians anymore, like Uber Christians. Right. Uh, and it's more not from my 
side. It's more because they look at me as like, I'm the devil. Yeah, I'm a sinner, (laughs) you know, and I'm not a believer anymore and all that. But I think they do things sincerely. I have some good friends who are sincere. They sincerely believe. Right. What boggles my mind, honestly, is that they can't step out, get out of the echo chamber, get out of the confirmation bias, and really look at just how silly the message is on the, on a, how much of it is just so silly. Yeah. You know, how much of it is so, yeah, that literally you accept Jesus. He washes you clean of all your sins and now you can go to heaven. Right. So it was said that Ted Bundy gave his heart to Christ before he was um, electrocuted or wherever he was put to death. So you're telling me Ted Bundy is in heaven Mm. because he prayed the sinner's prayer. Right. And my neighbor, my old neighbor, who's a Hindu, sweet, precious, never heard a fucking flea. When they died, they went straight to hell to burn forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever forever and ever and ever. But Ted Bundy is fucking in heaven, hanging out with Jesus. Right. Are you, are you, do you have brains? Like, you know what I mean? Like, that is the most moronic, unbelievable, ridiculous lie. Right. Anybody could ever fucking believe in their whole goddamn life. Well, like, why would I want to be in heaven with somebody (laughs) like that? Like, that just doesn't make any sense. You're right. It is bizarro. I, now, I don't have a problem with people being, and I don't believe in judgment and all that stuff, but if, what could I believe in? I could believe that merit, meaning behavior, like a Ted Bundy based upon his evilness on the earth, he's in maybe not a real great place. I, again, I don't believe in that, but I, I could wrap my head around that and that anybody who's good treats people well, walks in love and generous, compassionate, you know, all these all things. All the things Jesus preached. Exactly. All the yeah. things that Jesus preached, whether they're Hindu, whether they're atheist, whether I don't give a fuck. I could see them going to a better place. Yeah, I could totally be down for that. Like that would make sense to me. But the 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 gospel message, though some things about it I still have a tender spot like forgiveness and and resurrection and there's so many beautiful concepts in there. But the way the evangelicals have have understood it and preach it is just a joke. Kind of as bastardized. The- it's ju- I, if, if Jesus is in heaven looking down on us, even he would be going, oh, my God, guys. Yeah, you guys got it wrong. You guys got it all fucking wrong. Well, he was buddies with, like, the prostitutes and, you know, the sinners. That was kind of right. his deal. Like, it's completely opposite of what. Yeah. Most somewhere I I do think the message got just very corrupted. Yeah. And and I don't think Jesus again, I don't think he was the son of God, like actually God. Um, but even his message just got perverted and distorted. And yeah, you know, and I th- I think person just my personal perspective is that the message that Jesus preached, which I still value love and forgiveness and mercy and grace, like all that I love the message of Jesus. I think he was just like a super fucking good dude trying to spread love and telling people that I'm the way, meaning the The way he lives. Yes. The way I'm living to be kind to people, to be generous, to help out the poor. Like 
I am the way, like follow that example, but not, I'm literally the fucking way you must accept me. Yeah. And the only way accept me and go to heaven. But if you're a great person and do a bunch of wonderful stuff, but if you don't believe in me, you're going to burn in hell forever. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't believe it. Yeah. And I could ramble on and on about religion, but I, I do find the evangelical part of how I was raised to just be uh, inconceivable. I, I just can't go down that, that road. Well, and that's what seems so strange to me here. All these religious people say that these stories of gods and goddesses and, and all these mythical, you know, allegories and things are crazy. <laughs> Zeus isn't yeah, real. That is crazy that's nuts. Talk. And but Jehovah's the, real. Yeah. The Bible's the same <laughs> fucking thing. <laughs> Isn't that true though? Yeah. And that's another thing that we were, I mean, I remember being in Bible college and I remember the professor literally talking about how Buddhism was the devil. Hinduism was false and it was a devil. Um, these were, these were tactics of demons to, mm. to lead you astray. And I remember thinking, even then, you know, I was bought into Christianity, but I remember thinking to myself, really? Like, that's interesting to me. Like, they believe what they believe just as deeply and sincerely as we're believing what we're believing. But but we're right, though. That's the right. difference. But that's the difference is, Timmy, we're right. <laughs> Who says? <laughs> really? Right. You know, and then just again, as I continued to read and to study and, and expand my mind. Uh, Lindsay, I'll be honest. It's impossible for me to believe it. I, I absolutely have had conversations with hardcore Christians, f- friends of mine from before. And I can tell they're, you know, we pray for you, Timmy. And, you know, we're, and I remember I, I giggle inside. Cause I'm like, you don't understand. It's not like I'm lost and I'm wayward and I'm, suffering. I'm, I'm, I'm searching for something. I'm just trying. No, I know exactly what I don't believe. Yeah. I know exactly what I do believe and I'm okay with all the uncertainty. That's the part I think, I think where religion came in is Early on in human history, we didn't know what the fuck was what the fuck. Right. Rainstorms and drought Cataclysms. and death. And yep. uh, we didn't know what any of that shit was. So I can understand how we put some kind of a, you know, rain, pray for the rain God, you know, pray for the sun God, pray for the crops, pray. I can understand that when you don't know, you don't fucking know. And so you you're grasping at whatever. And you just make some stuff up that just for whatever reason make kind of some sense. And then religion attempted to answer or does answer, but incorrectly in my opinion, what's life all about? Where do we come from? And where do we go when we die? And religion solved all that. Yeah. Where do we come from? God. Where are we going? Heaven. What's life all about? Serving God. Mm. Bam. That's it. It's like some control measures too. Cause it seems like religion can very easily brainwash and control people. Early on, it seems because men clearly were in in charge of it. Um, And I've heard that taught a lot that it was a, a control thing to get people, you know, Hey, listen, I can't police you, 
but there's a man upstairs. Yeah. He sees everything you're doing, even in the dark. Yeah. So it was like it created not conscience because that's within, but it created a an overlord. Like there's this being that you can't see, uh, but he's watching you. Yeah. And then of course where it gets corrupt is, but I can talk to him. Right. I've got a special direct line. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, it just gets, it gets squirrely, yeah. you know, and there, and, and I do poo poo on religion a lot just because of the belief system is, is squirrely to me. Um, but I also, you know, like I said, I still go to church, um, pretty regularly because I enjoy the community and I enjoy when the message isn't like last week's, but when they, talk just about loving people and being kind and forgiveness and you know I, that kind of stuff I really love I love I love the idea of of reconciliation and and forgiveness and and second chances and you know all all those things I'm so in favor of and I support but what I've learned now in my life is that well Yes, some people can find that through Jesus, but you can also find that through Buddha and you can also find it just through your own self. Right. And people say, well, that's, that's egotistical. It's like, no, it's fucking not. It's actually not. It's just not. I've known people to get over drug abuse saying that Jesus healed them. Yeah. And that's great. It really like. It can be it, so good for great. so many people. Yeah. At the heart of it, its essence and teaching is wonderful messages like yeah. forgiveness, love, peace, all those things. It's just been convoluted. Yeah. Yeah. So like for you, like I had a friend say, well, only Jesus could have, you know, can deliver people from, um, from drug addiction or whatever. I'm like, yeah, no, I know for, for sure. That's not true. Right. Even before I met you, I had a friend that Buddha did it for him. Mm. Now, do I think Buddha actually did it for him? No, his belief in Buddha and that practice and the whole thing, it was that. So it was really himself, but it's like a placebo. If you think Jesus is going to help you get that job, when you get the job, huh, Jesus is real. Yeah, confirmation See? bias. Yeah, just, <laughs> there you go. See? Yeah. And if I don't get the job, well, Jesus was protecting me. He didn't want me to get that right. job. That's a fucking circular. You can't get out of that. I do think spirituality has been at the essence. The, the reason that I am where I am today, believing that I'm very, very small in this universe. And that yeah. there's so much, it's given me an appreciation for nature, for compassion for people that I don't really want to have compassion for, but that I think, man, they're holding up a mirror. What about me? Don't I like what I'm seeing in them, Amen. you know? And so it was, it was in crucial and instrumental in getting me down Absolutely. this path. But it wasn't at a Christian church that you no. went down front at the altar and cried out to Jesus and no. boom, now you just don't have a drug no. addiction anymore. No, absolutely not. Right. Yeah. It was, it was you opening yourself up to spirituality, to different modalities of spiritual healing and spiritual practices that worked in you as you, you know, uh, submitted yourself to them, Yeah. you know, and to them, meaning, I don't mean entities, but I mean submitting yourself to the, to the process and to letting the healing work happen. And, and, you know, forgiving those who had hurt you in the past and all those things. I'm so down for all that. Like, yeah. I think that is beautiful. Um, and in many conversations I've had with Matt, even just about, you know, healing childhood wounds and different things that he talks about. It, it's like, yeah, like I'm, I a hundred percent. 
I believe in that, that people have wounds, either mother wound or a father wound or, or whatever, have some kind of trauma that they need to work through and process through. And I went to breath work, um, with, uh, Laura Wolf and I did six months of it and it was, uh, every month I did two meetings. One was breath work session. The next was uh, like a counseling session. It was the best six month program thing I've ever gone through. Yeah. It really gets you into your oh. body. You know, you become embodied, you know, and so much of us, so many times we're just running all the time. Got to get to here. It's very masculine energy, always going, checking things off the list. And we kind of forget our bodies. They're just a vessel that, you know, rather than really feeling things, because who wants to do that? Right. Because right. it can be painful. Man, that's funny you say that because when I first got divorced back in 2019, um, I, when I moved out, I just knew, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to get a TV. I'm going to stop smoking weed, stop drinking. I'm going to just stop it's too much social media. I have to do some of it because of work. Um, and I'm just going to allow myself to grieve mm. and allow myself to face whatever wants to come at me, you know? Right. Oh my God. It was, it was, it was dark. Yeah. It, it was the darkest year of my life. It was, I've never, I would say, um, thank God I've never been a suicidal person. I just, I just, I, my, I don't know. I just, that's not in me. Um, or I've never done enough drugs to get that, you know, I've just sure. never been to that stage. But during that year, I definitely remember f having the thought that if I got terminal cancer, I'd be okay with it. Mm. So I was in a bad place because yeah. that's, I would never be like that. And I remember thinking, wow, this is what that must feel like where you just feel almost so like just a failure. Yeah. Like there's, it's your so just, much shame. Yeah. Just so much shame. And so my healing journey was walking away from mm. Christianity. Like that was what that you needed <laughs> to get better. Exactly. Yeah. I needed to walk away from that to be healed. Wow. And yeah. that's the part that Christians can really don't like you. No, they don't <laughs> because they, they, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. It doesn't make sense that my healing journey took me away from Christianity. Um, yeah, that just doesn't make sense. You know, it's like, why can't people just, you believe what you want to believe. I'll believe what I want to believe. And let's just get along. Yeah. Let's stop trying to cram stuff down each other's throat and what's the right way. And I can be even guilty of that with energy healing and spirituality. You get so excited. Right. What worked for me is yes. going to work for you. And the truth is it may not. Like my brother doesn't want to listen to me talk about how psychedelics help me and all about our family traumas. And I mean, you know, everybody has trauma, yeah. big T's, little T's. It's all your, per you know, how you perceive that trauma, you know, whether it's really bad and takes you down or not. And you know, I, I have to learn who my audience is when yeah. talking about this kind of stuff, because it can be yeah. very off-putting if, yeah. you know, I, oh, I, I'm the one that knows this is the right way. That's super egotistical yeah. to think that you have the truth of the universe yeah, and you need to share that with me. Though I, you know, I, I can't be in a more in agreement with you. I think that there is that you said about Christianity, the way it, you know, evangelizes. 
it's because they think they've got the truth. Right. So the reason your way can't be your way and my way is my way. Everybody can just have their way. The reason they can't accept that. And I know this because I mean, I can still think, I can still think the thoughts as I used to think when I was a Christian. Mm -hmm. So I know what the response is. Well, it's the truth. It's the truth of God's word. Like (laughs) what's true for you can't be, then I have a different truth. We all have to have the same truth. Right. (laughs) And the, the, you know, I just don't, I just don't even know what to say to that because it's like, well, clearly, obviously that's not true. Obviously that's not the ticket because other people have accomplished freedom or healing other ways. Right. So religion well, does a lot of good things for people. Sure. It, it can, it has that potential, Yeah. you know? And so I have no problem with somebody believing in that way. And I certainly am not trying to change their mind. So stop trying to change mine. That's the key, right? I think I had a real come to Jesus talk with my parents. My parents are evangelical Christian. And at first, I mean, they would cry. I mean, they they were, they were distraught that I had left the faith and, and they, you know, thought I was like a prodigal and, so they prayed earnestly for me and I'm sure that they had their friends praying for me. You know, I'm sure that that was the, I'm sure that the was whole all going. Congregation. <laughs> Everybody's Timmy. praying for Timmy, you know, <laughs> and, and on one hand, I appreciate that. I mean, I know that comes again from a sincere place, uh, but I believe sincerely wrong, but finally, man, kudos to my parents because I finally, I did, I blew up, I blew up. I went crazy and, and cause they were trying to save me. And I remember just, going, I just was, I had it. I was done. Yeah. I was like, stop trying to fucking save me. Like I'm fucking I'm, fine. Yeah, I'm like, stop trying to save me. Stop preaching at me. Like you can pray. I mean, obviously I can't stop you from praying. You right. pray all you want, but don't, don't look at me as, as I'm lost. And you know, I, or at least you can look at me that way. Don't treat me that yeah. way. You know, in other words, you just keep being you. Cause I'm like you, I don't care that they believe all that stuff. I mean, I, I have my opinions. Like right. I think it would help them to be more open-minded, but fine. You guys believe all that bullshit. That's fine. And just keep it there. Yeah. Don't then try to shame me to correct me, you know, and, and ask me leading questions. I remember one time my dad goes, it's one thing. If you say, do you believe in heaven? Tell me what you think about heaven or what? Well, that's an open end. Okay. Well, I just don't believe in that. Da, 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 da. His way of asking it was, you do believe in heaven, don't you? <laughs> kind of leading. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, and I'm like, no, I don't, you know? Yeah. And, well, and then he would say things like, but it's real. And I'm like, dad, then prove it. Right. Prove it to me right now that it's real. And I, and of course his response is, well, the Bible says, mm-hmm. I'm like, dad, that's circular reasoning. Right. Like there is no, how do you know it's true? Cause the Bible says it's true. Well, how do you know what the, the Bible says is true is true. Actually. Well, the Bible says it's true. Right. Did they just hit repeat? And then- <laughs> it's like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> so it's just a, it's an argument that there is no win. You can't yeah. win that argument. And so I told them, Hey guys, I really don't care that you believe what you believe. I don't, I'm not trying to get you to not believe or right. like me but I need you to stop trying to get me to believe like you believe, Yeah, you know, because you think you're right. Therefore, if I'm believing anything other than what you're believing, 
I'm wrong. Yeah. And the penalty, though, in their mind for most evangelical Christians, I wish I'd have turned my ringer off. Most people in the evangelical world believe if you don't believe it, you're going to go to hell. Right. So I can understand that motivation, especially for some a family member that you love or something. I can understand that sense of urgency that, oh, my gosh, I don't want my son going to hell. Sure. You know, um, so I have kind of a weird like my beliefs are kind of like I created my own, you know, I kind of believe in reincarnation because I've, I've definitely felt deja vu. I've definitely been like, man, yeah. I click with you just right off the bat. And I've, I believe that we keep coming back yeah. and coming back until we have become an awakened human yeah. being enlightenment. Right. And then, and only then if there is a heaven, that we're allowed to ascend to it. Yeah. Now, whether that, you know, that's sure. just my own little, yeah. like, and I'm totally fine with that. How, right. You know, I don't care about trying. No to one can prove it or disprove it. it. Right. That's just <laughs> what I believe. That's what makes me feel yeah. good to believe. And that's the part that I think the, it's a free country, right? The, it's a free world. Believe whatever you want. If it, if it serves you, makes you a, a better person, more whole, you know, if it does all those things, then absolutely. When it doesn't, when it puts you in bondage and it fills you with shame and guilt and, and cause you to lie and hide and deceive and well, then I'm, I'm definitely not in favor of that. Right. Uh, but anything that brings someone healing, man, go for it. Yeah. The world needs more. Oh, of it. <laughs> Cause I'm like you, I think I believe in things are circular. I, I, again, I don't know if reincarnation is a thing. I wouldn't be shocked if it was true. Like that seems like it's plausible for sure. Right. Um, but I, I think that I personally believe that humanity has been around a long, 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 long time. Uh, I think that Earth has been completely wiped out and it started over. Who, who the fuck am I? I don't know. But I think it's very possible that human history goes way further back than we even can ever know. Just because, uh, I mean, a million years ago. I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. We barely have any, I forget how many dinosaur fossils that we actually have found, obviously enough that we know that they existed. Uh, but those are, you know, humongous bones and right. very, they died on one occasion of a, an asteroid that they, they believe, but there could have been a million years before that. I mean, do you yeah. think that there, because I believe that there were very advanced civilizations yeah. kind of living side by side with more primitive, yeah. like kind of like it is today. Yeah, there are know? hunter gatherers yes, on the planet still. right now. Yeah. yeah. Have, did you see that uh, ancient uh, apocalypse? apocalypse? Of course ah, I did. <laughs> love that show. Lo I love Hancock. He's great. I love that show. Yeah, that was, I watched that series twice because yeah. it was just so good. And I believe that that's very possible. I do too. Um, yeah, I just believe that's very, very possible, yeah. you know. And, and interesting, archaeologists hate him and try and debunk I everything know. because their word is the right way and only way. And, you know, if you yeah. like, I, I love how they talk about, you know, in science, you're taught to be skeptical. Absolutely. You should cynical. No, skeptical. Yes. And why is it not OK to question everything, you yeah. know? Yeah, I love that series. I, I'm so fascinated by uh, ancient civilizations. Just the fact that on the planet right now, there are places that you can go and see things 
the we don't know how the fuck they did it. Right. And we can't even do it today. Yeah. To that precision. Yeah. So then I'm like, well, how the fuck did they do it? Right. How did they lift a thousand ton stone, you know, 500 feet and pl place it perfectly in place? And all in alignment, know, like, you know, summer solstice <laughs> or whatever star. That stuff is just, I geek out on that stuff. Yeah. I, I could watch, I literally could spend eight hours a day watching stuff like that, learning stuff like that, because it's just, it's very curious. Yeah. It's very curious. And what, what was the world like? People talk about, you know, if you could go back to any time, what would you go? Oh, 1920s, oh, the fifties. I'm like, I'd want to go back. 800,000 years or yeah. go back a million years. I'd want to go back and see what the fuck was going on on planet earth. I want to see these, uh, these people that were fairly advanced and they might've been advanced in a different way. Sure. They maybe didn't, they maybe weren't driving cars and didn't have airplanes, but maybe they did. They, I know. You know I mean? Like, I don't know. Like I wasn't here. Yeah. You know, so who knows, but the fact that there are artifacts and things left here on the planet that we just can't explain. Yeah. That's very curious to me, mm -hmm. you know, and I hope someday we can get some answers. I would, I would, I hope that the aliens show up to be honest, Lindsay, I hope the aliens show up and go, yo guys, we seeded this planet. <laughs> we're from another galaxy and we were having some issues. So we fucking seeded this planet cause it was livable, you know, 3 million years ago. Right. And y'all are stupid. Yeah. <laughs> And you guys are like building bombs and killing each other. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? <sighs> so yeah, I, I, I would love that. I think I, I want, I would love for that to happen in my lifetime for us to find out about life outside of, because that would really fuck up the Christian message. Mm. And I say that, and I don't like, not that I want to ruin the Christian message. I really don't. There's a lot of, like you said, it's a lot of good, a lot of good people. They mean well, all that. So, but I'm just, I had a pastor on my podcast actually. And I asked him this question. I'm like, what if an an alien, an advanced alien civilization came to earth and, you know, and he had a good answer. He's, he's a smart dude. Um, and the reality is that, okay. So, so God's bigger than, right. <laughs> than we thought, you know, <laughs> he started other civilizations like ours, you know? Right. So however people want to answer it, but I know that it would definitely put a kink in what, the evangelical church believes today, the Christian church, that this is it. God created earth and created man. But, but then if you find out, no, he also created another planet with people. And then he also created another one mm. with people. And there's the universe is teeming with life. Yeah. Well, that's not in the Bible anywhere. Right. <laughs> you know, so that's where I'd be like, why isn't that in there? Yeah. Because men wrote that based upon the experience that they were having here on earth. Mm -hmm. And I would really be curious about what their salvation message is. Interesting. Yeah. You know what I mean, like if there's some other civilization, like what, what, what do they, what do they believe about life and about creation and about all that? I'm sure it'd be very ironic because it probably has nothing to do with like what we believe no. down here. They'd be like, Jesus, what? Yeah. Who's that? <laughs> Our guy's name was, you know, Jacob. <laughs> Julio. His name was <laughs> his name was Walter, and his wife was Hilda. <laughs> Here's their story. Yeah. So I don't know. Who knows? Um, okay. So a few questions before we sure. end. Uh, by the way, it's been a great conversation. We we'll have yeah. to do this again for yeah. sure. Um, 
few questions I always ask at the end of a podcast, okay. a book that you've read that you would recommend, um, that, or, you know, an audio audio book or sure. whatever that you, that helped you in your journey, a movie, uh, that you can watch yearly and, you know, enjoy. Okay. So the book that really, it kind of popped my spiritual cherry, I guess you could say, you know, <laughs> is Power Versus Force by David Hawkins. And it it was one of the first, it, at first when I started to read it, I was like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? Like, I don't get it. It's all this quantum physics and, and all of a sudden this just light bulb went on and I was like, ah, oh, I get yeah. it. I fucking get it. Yeah. It was beautiful. That sure, and, do you know Joe Dispenza? I do. Oh, I love Joe Dispenza. Okay, go I, ahead. I like uh, that, and I'll give one more book because it was pivotal in my healing journey is How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan. Okay. And it's all about psychedelics. He was a writer. He went and tried various psychedelics, interviewed all the top you know, scientists in the field, and then now is a huge advocate for psychedelics. Very cool. In fact, just had a documentary out under the same title. That's really a good watch and okay. very, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of psychedelics. Yeah, me healing. too. Me too. Yeah. Psilocybin, uh, MDA, MDMA, MDA, uh, mm -hmm. say it again, MDMA. Yeah. MDMA. Uh, and then ayahuasca. Yeah. Uh, ayahuasca is a beautiful medicine. Yeah. What's the other one? There's a one DMT. DMT. That's from the frog. You have peyote. Yeah. You have, um, what's the one that used in counseling a lot? MDMA is used a lot with in counseling. In fact, it's almost legal yeah. uh, to, for a counselor to prescribe it okay. and then sit and do therapy. It's really good for PTSD. Okay. That's maybe the one I'm I mean, LSD of. was created and they started using it for marital issues and like <laughs> had two people drop acid and sit and talk in a, in a doctor's office. Interesting. And they were getting like amazing results. That's what's crazy. <laughs> and then all that stuff just got locked away. You know, yeah. Nixon became president, shut everything down. The war on drugs is a big farce. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I didn't mean to go that off topic. Yeah. Movie. <sighs> you know, one of the movies that like really helped me get out of a very unhealthy relationship is a movie Garden State. Really? It's I've got never heard of Matt, it. Uh, Natalie Portman and Zach Braff. He wrote it and got a lot of critical acclaim for it. But I love the music in it. And there's just, you know, I'm sure there's some other headier, cooler movie that I could name. But really, that's the one that comes up for me first okay. off. <laughs> uh, and then the final question, what's next for you? Or, or what you're even in process with now? So right now, we're actually filming a relationship. Like, can you be happier in a relationship? or outside of one, you know, can they, which one's better, you yeah. know? And so we're really going to explore that. So that's what we're working on this month. We are hoping to get everything launched here in the next couple months so people can start seeing this content. That's really cool. Yeah. I, you know, that's, uh, my world is relationships, you know, yeah. of course, and having gone through a divorce, which was the most painful thing I went through in my life at this point. Uh, and I've experienced death and all that kind of stuff, but it was also the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. You know, because it, it led me to someone I'm extremely compatible with and, and just really in a relationship that I'd always dreamed and hoped for. Um, but if I would have stayed married, I wouldn't have experienced this, you know? Yeah. And so I think the, that divorce from a religious standpoint, it was always looked at as so bad and so sure. evil. And people would say, you got to do the right thing, which they meant stay, you know, it's yeah. like, 
And really that's not, I just don't believe in that. I don't believe that's true. I believe sometimes the very best thing you could do is to leave yeah. is to divorce. Um, but I'm also not a proponent of divorce. If you can work it out and make it work and it can be beautiful, then do that for sure. If you can, if it's possible, do it. But sometimes it's just not possible and you really would be better off to be on your own. And that journey for me was such a healing journey because I'd never been alone ever in my life, ever. Mm. You know, went from my parents' house to a dorm room yeah. to a roommate to a roommate to marriage. Right. So I never had a chance to be by myself alone. And so when I got divorced, you know, I'm, I'm all alone. And I was like, whoa, like who the fuck am I? I don't even yeah. know what what's going on. And so being alone for three plus years really helped me get to where I needed to be uh, just as a human. And then I got to the point where I was, I was happy. I was yeah. like, I'm cool to be single. I mean, I really want to be partnered up because I love companionship and I love laughing with people. And I just, I love companionship. We're social creatures. Yes. Uh, but I was also happy. Yeah. I was having a and good time. And that's the key, honestly. Yeah. And I honestly believe if you can look at any of life's situations and it's the mindset and the way you choose to heal, grow and learn from it that really matters. The worst of things, I mean, let's face it, most of the time we don't grow unless we're in pain, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And so it's like I very much relate with your story about being alone and that being like the catalyst to really creating the life that you want and yeah. you know but in the moment it feels like the worst Torture. thing yeah but I, all of my life's experiences i can now look back with zero regret and say it's you know because it's because of those things that happened that i am where i am today and that's been a journey to get there that's mm. awesome yeah well thank you so much for coming on the show today well thank you I for having it. me yeah. anytime we'll, we'll do it again for sure yeah this has been fun all right thank you uh-huh